Welcome to the Revive Podcast with Pastor Jennifer Kofi. Be blessed as you listen to today's message. So for the last four weeks, this would be the fifth week, we've been um, trusting God to teach us his heart and teach us what is most important to him, and that is to reach the lost. Because Bible tells us that he does not desire that anybody should perish. Hallelujah. So the very first week of our REACH series, we spoke on God's heart, and we traced from God's word and God's works um, what he sacrificed for and what his last moments were all about. We traced right from the Old Testament into the New, we traced and we were able to discern that God's heart is after mankind and that he desires that all will be saved. And we looked at examples like how God dealt with Israel, what Jesus' mission on earth was, um, even post his death, what he commands the disciples to do, what we call the Great Commission. All of those things are geared towards the salvation of souls, and we use Jonah's story to establish that God's intention for sending a word of judgment is never the destruction of people, it is for the repentance of men. Hallelujah. And that was what we concluded on. Then the following week, we went into our part, and the idea in part two was that we would be able to take what we discovered of God's heart and make it our heart so that we don't just know that, oh, God loves people and then we don't care, but that will come into that place where we know that what God wants is what we want. So we, we wanted to catch that, that spirit. And one of the things we, we, we said was that God has called us so that we can fish men. God has called us as disciples so that we can make disciples as well. And the scriptures are there. You can go back to the, um, the sermons, Matthew 4, Matthew 28, hallelujah. We also established that we have become laborers in his vineyard and that the, the fields are white, hallelujah, and we are laborers. And we said the ways we labor is to be in the place of prayer to intercede and also to go the full extent of reaching the lost, sometimes to your inconvenience. Sometimes it may touch your pocket. Sometimes it may take your time. It may take sometimes even your emotions, but we must labor in this vineyard, hallelujah. And we went into Matthew 9 to establish that. And then we said finally that the Holy Spirit was also given for this purpose. This is that one of the paramount reasons why the Holy Spirit came because Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And this will cause you to be what? To become witnesses, hallelujah. Amen. In the part three, this was like a, it was an unplanned part three, but in the part three, we talked about the leadings of God. And for me, that became the highlight to the unplanned. I woke up at dawn to do my usual, you know, pray through into the service. And I was like, all these things were just flowing into my head. So I started writing them down. 
uh, or typing them up and it became part three because that was not the plan. But we spoke on the leadings of God in reaching others for him. And we said that the wisdom of God is made manifest when we obey or when we are yielded to God. And then we said that the power of God is released when we obey or when we follow the will of God. Amen. And we came into examples. Um, Abraham, who was told to get out of his father's home and go where God will show him. And he didn't know where. We saw examples of the woman at the well, Jesus going through Samaria and creating this opportunity to meet a woman who had a purpose that was bigger than what she was at the time. Hallelujah. Um, and all of these instances were not the typical way because we saw, remember last um, uh, part three, we had the map of, uh, of the time, those times. We had the map and we were able to determine what was going on. And we established that there was no reason why Jesus should have gone through Samaria. Not There wasn't a geographical reason because it's in line. But at the time, nobody, especially if you were a Pharisaic, or I mean, the Jews wouldn't go, would not go into, go through Samaria. For what? They would cross the Jordan. And go the longer way because they didn't want to be to interact or to mix or mingle with the Samaritans. But Jesus, you know, went or defied what was the norm and went by what God was leading him to do. And it produced a certain result. Hallelujah. We looked at the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, Philip. Hallelujah. The fact that, you know, Philip had already been on mission and could not handle Mr. Sorcerer, had to call Peter and things, and they came to help him. And this same Philip, God shows up and, you know, he has a revelation, go to this particular place. He didn't know what he was going to meet, but as he obeyed that instruction, what he saw, and he went there, he crosses paths with Ethiopian eunuch, a man with great wealth, and the timing and everything worked to the salvation of the Ethiopian eunuch. And we looked at the famous Saul to Paul story in Acts chapter 9 as well, um, where God meets um, Saul, changes his, his name is changed, obviously. But we looked at the character of Ananias in that story. And the fact that Ananias, I mean, was like, no, I'm not going to encounter any Jew, um, you know, Jesus follower. I'm not going to encounter any person who kills the followers of Jesus. And God is like, still go. And God had already set it up. And we said that as laborers with him, he, the field belongs to him. It's not ours. He's the one who tells us when a field is ready, go and harvest. You are not the one who, who does that. And we established that if we could follow his leadings, the promptings, soul winning would be so easy because you will be at the right place at the right time. You will say the right thing. And someone's heart is already ready for that harvest. Amen. In part four, last week, we spoke about God's power to save. And we said that is the gospel. What is the gospel? It is good news. But what is the content of this good news? It is Christ. Hallelujah. It is Christ. 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 And we said that this power that we have in Christ has been able to deal with the original sin. Adam and Eve's fall, by which all of us have become sinners. The power of our Lord Jesus Christ through his death, the blood of Jesus, has dealt with that. And we must be excited about that. 
the power of God has also dealt with Satan. Bible says when he died, he went down and took the keys. He discomfited them. He made a public show of them. I mean, Jesus handled all that business. The power of God as well is a, has been able to crush even the power of my sins. And so Romans tells us that sin no longer has dominion over me. In other words, I can come into the place where I decide that these things are too low for me. They are not my level. I cannot indulge in these things. So the power of God, which is Christ, his coming, his death, his resurrection, has given us the ability to even live above sin and then affords us all other things. It is what transforms a man. And we've heard in, in both testimonies how, you know, they can't even explain how the change came, but God changed them. God is able to touch our minds. God is able to touch our hearts and turn us around. Um, you know, you would say, oh, but the power of God, when you, when you encounter the power of God, it can change a man. Hallelujah. And the power of God as well gives us the power to live victoriously above all the things of this life and also affords us eternity. Hallelujah. And the conclusion of last week was that will we believe in him and in his power. And if we believe in him, will we pray? Because we understood that the, the fuel for, for, for any of these things in our lives is that prayer. And the last question was, will we preach it? Will we speak it? Because the word of God says, how will they hear if nobody is telling them? If nobody is speaking, how will they hear? Hallelujah. And so if we will be able to do these things, believe, pray, and speak forth and live it out, there will be manifestation of his power. You cannot want to assume that God show me in my room. When you've not spoken to anybody, God should come and display in front of you. That's not what he's not. He's not, you know, he's not some puppet or toy that we, but if you will do his bidding, then you've created an occasion where his power can be manifested. Hallelujah. And so this week, I wanted to top up with our witness. And as you can see, we are already witnessing, telling our stories. Hallelujah. And so I want us to go into John chapter, first John, sorry, chapter one. And I've already quoted a part of this scripture, but we'll read from verse one to verse three. Hallelujah. First John chapter one. We'll read from verse 1 to verse 3. And if you can, please just stand on your feet. Let's do these three verses and you can sit down for the points. Hallelujah. First John 1, 1 to 3. So we are speaking on our witness. And in the words of the woman at the well, she said, come see a man. Come see a man. Hallelujah. First John 1, 1 to 3. Let's go. What was from the beginning? What we have heard. Okay, I'm reading a different version, sorry. Okay, let's, let's read the version up. I'm sorry. Okay, we proclaim, ready, go. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. Verse 2. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal. He, he, he is the one who is eternal life. 
He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. Verse 3, we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Please be seated. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord God, cause it to stir us up to even become witnesses and to give our witness. Amen. So here we are told that it is not something, it is not some people who told us. It is not even our father's gospel. It is what we know. That is what we also share with you. And according to John, he is saying that when we do this, what happens is that we give you an opportunity to partake of what we have experienced. If I come and I begin to share with you things from my life, what I've done is that I've brought you in. That is what I've done. I've brought you in. When you're around a person who closes you off on certain things, I mean, no matter what they do around you, no matter how much they give, you must understand that they've not brought you in. So... John was saying that by sharing our testimony, we are bringing others in, into our experience. Because what you would realize soon is that there are people who have maybe similar experiences or acting experiences, don't have an understanding of it. But by opening that door from yourself, what you know, what you are convinced about, what you have experienced, you are able to let them in. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 24, this is after Jesus rises up. Jesus tells them in the verse 48, he tells them that, and you are witnesses of these things. Hallelujah. What things? The things that he had been with them and shared with them, the things they had seen, the fact that when he rose, they saw him, they have become witnesses because God does not give us experiences and encounters for fun. Everything that you experience in life has its purpose. Every encounter God gives you has its purpose. It is supposed to make you a better witness. Hallelujah. And so Jesus tells them in Luke 24, he tells them in the verse 48, he says, you are witnesses of these things. Some people may say, I did not rise, but you know I rose because you have seen it. And so I ask us today, what have you seen? What have you heard of him? What have you handled? What is your experience? Because that is about all you need to be a witness. Hallelujah. So I have a few points here that we must take note. What must our, our witness be? First of all, our witness must be true. If you tell a lie in the bid to get people to, you know, like maybe Maureen came and she said there's nothing, but there is so much in there. But to her, maybe she says there's nothing in my, you know, salvation or in my work with God, nothing grand. And then you make it up. What you have done is that you are telling God and you are telling us that it is not enough. The way God is working with you, what God is doing with you, how God has chosen to do it with you, you are telling us that it is not good enough. What you have said by extension from there is that God is not powerful enough. That is what you said. Because if God in his wisdom knows that what you needed 
was to come to know me in, in, in SHS so that maybe you would not make some mistakes that people have made and now have to balance it with, you know, trying to do the faith walk. And God knows that for his purposes in your life, that is what he needs you to be. And you decide that it's not good enough. I need to polish this. So, you know, you give a, a grand story and people do that. People give grand stories. I used to be this and now I am. And you go and check and there is not truth in it. What you are saying is that God is not powerful to use the circumstances that he, he allowed for your life to reach others. And that would be falsehood. So your witness must be true. Your witness must be true. It, is, it must be true. Please, it must be true. And the second thing I want to say is that when you present or when you, to be a witness and to give, you know, a true and a faithful witness of who Christ is, you cannot lose the wonder of the experiences and your walk with God. So if I came to a point in my walk where everything is taken for granted and we come to church as normal, oh, I'm coming to preach, it's not a big deal. When I get to that point, what happens is that my witness the effectiveness of my witness drops because people catch more than your words. People catch more than even what you pretend to be. People catch your heart. People catch your spirit. People catch the aura. And so you must make sure that you don't lose the wonder of these experiences. Don't throw it away. Don't get to a place where God is, oh, yeah, God day. No, God is not God day. He is the one who's afforded you the ability to breathe. That in itself is, is a miracle. And we have to be people who stay in a place of wonder. Like, I woke up this morning. I'm breathing. Ooh, my lungs feel clear. Everything about what God does has to be wonderful. It is marvelous in our eyes. It has to be marvelous to us. And when you are standing in that place and you convey it or you speak it to other people, what happens is that it becomes a convincing witness. It becomes a convincing witness. The third thing I want to say is that it must be led by the Holy Spirit. And so for many people, we would say that, oh, what you have seen, what you have handled, that is what you convey. But for somebody like John the Baptist, which Bible actually calls a witness, the witness, the one who came, we sang the song today, declaring that prepare the way of the Lord, which was prophesied that he would. For somebody like John, what did he see? What did he handle? It was the hand of God upon him and what God released to him, God, his mission, his purpose on earth, that is what he lived out. And so it's important that our witness is also led by the spirit. So you can have varied experiences, but when you get into a certain place, God can prompt you and say, go in this tangent. Or in another place, God can prompt you and say, go in this tangent. So I remember sitting in an Uber, it's not been too long, maybe a year and a half ago. And um, as we were going, we got into conversation and this guy was bashing my Jesus going on and on about how God cannot be real because of what he had experienced and all how the church had failed him and what he had been through and how nobody was there for him. And then, 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 then he went on and went on and he, he was like, you know, so he's concluded that it's not a big deal. Just do what you got to do, work and live, man, because it doesn't make a difference whether you're a Christian or not. So, I mean, in my mind, I was trying to think up all these arguments I can cut him with because I was, by this time, I was quite offended. I was offended, I was offended on behalf of Jesus. 
<laughs> but but just when we got to the house, I just heard in my spirit, and I'm very, very particular about this part of my life. I don't talk about it. I do as much as possible to cover it up. Because for me, and what I've said to you that, you know, for me, I feel like it takes away from my witness. But that was the part that God said, tell him this. And if you can, show it to him. And I'm like, not in this car. You know, so I opened the door like I'm about to get out. And I still felt like, so I shut the door and I was like, can I tell him something? And I, I told him that from the age of four, I've, I've been sick. I've had a visible illness, like not the kind that nobody sees, nobody. I've had a visible illness. At the time, we didn't even know what it was called. It's in my adult life that I found out that it's called psoriasis. But I have a visible sickness that puts me in pain like every day. When I wake up from the bed and I put my, I have to like test whether I can stand. So, you know, when I, I began to talking, he was quiet. And I was like, you know, but I love God nonetheless. Like, the fact that even with all this, like, I'm alive, I'm doing well, you know, God by his mercies has used this to direct my path. All of this shows me that God did and God loves me. And so he was quiet and I was like, does he want to see? So I stretched out my hand and, and today is a good day, but that day was a bad day. <laughs> so I stretched out and I was like, you see, this is it. But this is not the only part of my body is on my feet and all that. So this guy gets like, it was like someone had poured water on him. He couldn't talk again. Like, because from the time he picked me till the time he was going, and I wasn't even getting a chance to, like, cut in. So here we were in front of my house, and he should be in a hurry to go, and he was just sitting down. He couldn't move the car. And I told him that. I, know, I understand that he's gone through a lot. I get it. I, he's given me examples of how the church, and even pointed at figures we know in the body of Christ in Ghana, who knew his plight. You know, because his mom was a staunch believer and they did not come to help him. And I was like, I get it. I get that. But he's sitting here in front of my house. He has an Uber to drive. He has a means of making money. He has all his limbs intact because the kind of pain I go through daily, I don't, I'm not sure he wants to experience it. It's quite bad. It's quite bad, and there are good days and there are bad days, but some days is really, really, really bad, you know? And I'm like, I go through that every day, but somewhere in my mind, I am able to still see the goodness of God. I don't think he has a shooting pain through his body. I don't think he has a part of his body that bulges because the nerves have constricted from the pain from another part of the body, but I do. God is not... It's not all to, he's not all that bad because you've come out of the things that you've come out of and you are living a life that other people want to live. Somebody wants an Uber to drive so they can make a little money. And I was like, does he get it? Nodded his head, he didn't say anything. And I was like, God bless you. And I got out of the car. So we must allow God to lead us even in our witness because maybe if I went from the angle of, you know, I'm a pastor, you cannot say that. The word of God says, maybe it wouldn't have had, maybe he would have been so upset. He would have been so angry. Like, I mean, he would, I'm sure he would have been so upset. But it's important 
that the Holy Spirit leads a witness. And we've seen this from the leadings, that the, the, the sermon on the leadings. So it's important that the Holy Spirit leads a witness. That's number three. Number four, am I right? I'm wrong? Number four, okay. Number four, it must be backed with the power of God. Hallelujah. And that is why there is so much essence for prayer. If you went and you went to speak to somebody or you wanted to be a witness, because a witness is not just in your speech, it's also in who you are, what you do, and all of that. And it is just words. What happens is that people hear it. It sounds like, mm, cool. But it doesn't do anything. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't stop anything. Hallelujah. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians, Paul says that for Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, it says, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Then he says, I'm using um, the NASB for this. Then he says, not in the cleverness of speech so that the cross of Christ would be made void. He agrees that God has called him as a witness, but he says the truth or that the power of this witness is not in my clever speech. Now, this is a little tricky because when you read Paul's epistles, this man is brilliant. He is brilliant the way, you know, he puts his ideas together. But here Paul is telling us that it is not in the cleverness of my speech. Because if it were limited to that, then any person, we can pick, you know, any BBC presenter to stand and to talk and it should work. But it is not so. It is not so. Hallelujah. If we limited it to, oh, how we put our notes together, then, I mean, what is the power of Christ? The power of Christ is in the fact that the thing is simple. The thing maybe doesn't even make sense, yet it is working, like Maureen said. Yet it is working. Hallelujah. Amen. He says again in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, that, and when I came to you, so he's talking about him, his interaction with the Corinthians. He says, when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with the superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. And you will find that Paul says, he said he came in the demonstration of the power. Hallelujah. And so it's important that we don't assume that I can roll out of bed. I won't be on fire. And then I'll be an effective witness. That's what it will be. And then you will say it's not working, but that's not it. This thing is, is by the finger of God, it's by the power of God. So if I am going to be a witness, there has to be a certain power in which I walk. How did the apostles become, you know, witnesses? It was by the power they received. Hallelujah. How was John a witness? John had a certain life. He could not bring himself to live like other people. He had to live a consecrated life for this purpose. So if you, if you say you were a witness and you carry the witness of Christ, hallelujah, and you live anyhow, what you've done is that you've dulled the, 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 the edge of your knife or your axe that is supposed to cut down um, things that hold people. You have dulled it. And so you'll be speaking and it is just talk. 
but we don't want our walk and our testimony and our witness to be just talk. We don't want to make the power of God void. We don't want it to look like there is no power in this thing when there is power in it. And so we must make sure that we carry ourselves. We live the way we are supposed to live. We pray as much as we can because that is what makes it effective. Hallelujah. Now, the flip of this issue, and I'm going to bring something. The flip of this matter is that historically, when you go into who Paul was, you will find out that the Paul who wrote amazing letters was not a great orator. Paul could not talk. And that is why he found expression mostly in letters, aside the fact that he was in prison part of the time. So there was no chance. I mean, he would have to find right letters. But Paul himself confesses to the fact that, I mean, I am, I am not nice looking and I don't speak too well. But the beauty and what I'm coming to is that the beauty of this is that even in that limitation, Paul was an effective witness. So even if you wanted to argue that Paul was saying all these things, I didn't come in the eloquence of speech, uh, came in the demonstration of power because no, no, I know to be in casa. Even if you wanted to go there with me, what I want to tell you is that even in his limitation. Paul was an effective witness. So what is it that you will call a limitation? I, I, I say psoriasis is my limitation because I feel like, oh, if I go and tell someone, people will be looking at me like, eh, has God finished with you? <laughs> You're going to... So <laughs> for me, that is my limitation. That's what I feel that limits my witness. I don't know what yours is. Maybe you say that, oh, I didn't go to school. Or someone will say, I don't know the word of God too well. Or we have all kinds of things in our minds that we call our limits, we have all kinds of things in our hearts that we call our limitations. But even so, God was able to use Paul to sort of break down what it is that we are in Christ. Every New Testament believer, if you don't, if you are not conversant with Paul, you don't really have a grasp on what it is you are. Like Maureen was sharing, who it is you are, where you are. Like this whole New Testament thing is like, you won't get a big Paul. Who, you know, it, it said um, in, in, in 2 Corinthians in chapter 10 and chapter 11. So it is said of Paul that people make statements. And then in chapter 11, Paul says, yes, you might say that's, yeah, I'm, I'm insignificant. When, when you see me, me cry, I'm in your beer. I can imagine what he looked like. And, and I, I, I'm not great with speech. Yes, you can say that. But... So what is it that you call your limitation this morning? Just identify that thing. What is it? What is your limitation? What is your limitation? And begin to understand that in spite of the things in quote that we call our limitations, God still has ways that he will use us. God still has what he wants to use us for, how he wants to use us beyond those limitations. So in that particular experience with the man in the Uber, I realized that this was a plus because I would have never gotten through to him. This became my plus. Hallelujah. It's important that we allow God to use what is even beyond our limitations. And we have to rest and trust in his power to save, his power to deliver. Hallelujah. His power to deliver. Amen. Amen.
Um, 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 3 to 6 is another um, good reference to um, our witness as Christ. And then the last point is that our witness should be bold. 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 If you know what it is you are witnessing to, if you understand that by this witness, somebody is not going to go to hell. This person will have life forever. If you understand that by this witness, maybe that person whose life is a waste, this person has come out, um, when we had the ministration at Faith Temple, a couple came to me, a lady came to me, and we had visited in Sawan prison, and her husband was there. And, you know, she was telling me that, you know, God had worked it out and he had been released. They were able to prove, you know, that there was no intention for what happened. And he had, he knew nothing about the man's death and all of that. So this man had come out. But when you come to the place where you understand that God uses our witness to change people, to turn people around, people who were sentenced to this person's yeah, waste, and that this witness can turn people around. You will not be, you know, covering it, watching it down. Oh, well, you can do anything. Media, go to church by. Well, I need your pay. No, it is not so. There is only one way. There is only one way. Hallelujah. There is only one way. There is only one way. So 1 Thessalonians 2 says, For exaltation does not come from error or impurity, or by way of deceit. So all of my points are found somewhere here. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. So we do this to please God. It says, for we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with the pretext for greed. It wasn't for money. It wasn't, I know that people who are on corners, who are joining buses, who are bus stations, who are there because of the coins they will collect. That is why they come to preach Jesus. But we are not there for that. That is not our motivation. Our motivation is the heart of God. Hallelujah. He says, God is witness. So Paul is saying that God is a witness of what I am doing. I am, I'm, I'm doing this and God can attest that what I'm doing is not for anything. It's not for you, not for sure. It's not, you know, it's none of that. He says, nor do we seek glory from men, either from you or from others. Even though as apostles of Christ, we might have asserted our authority and we could have gotten all those things, but we put all those things aside. We make ourselves of nothing and we allow God to use our witness, including even our limitations. We put it aside. We don't care about that because there's something bigger than us and bigger than our limitations. Hallelujah. And that is what we must do. That is what our witness should look like. Hallelujah. That is what our witness should look like. I, I just wonder how people were listening and going to John to baptize him. This guy was in animal things tied on his body and was eating locusts and was in the wild. And people will move and come to him. There was something. There wasn't just talk. There wasn't just, you know, you know, ah, media. No, there was power. It was a true witness. He said, this person of whom I'm, I, I'm not even worthy 
to untie his shoelace or the latchets of his sandals. He witnessed, he was faithful. He always put himself out of the way and allowed God to be God. He always gave evidence towards this point. And when it got bad for him and he was struggling with his faith, he didn't go and ask anybody. He went back and said, ask Jesus. Ask Jesus because he's the one I'm witnessing about. Hallelujah. And, and Jesus attests of him and says, you know, there is none. There's nobody. Hallelujah. But we who come after him, we who understand what it is to be a witness, we can be called greater than him. And being greater than him is in how you witness, how faithful you are to your witness. Amen. And so this morning, I just want you to come into that place and I want you to determine what is it that you have seen? What is it that you have handled? I I mean, you can ask my mom, but I wasn't a, a womb baby. I was a belly baby. I, I didn't grow in the womb. I was so, I, I mean, even that I'm here is all strange. I was a belly baby um, and all of that. One day she can tell that story. But yeah, yes. I mean, all of that is even, even strange. Hallelujah. So that, that was how I, I came about. And um, like Maureen, oh no, not like Maureen. Ima is the one who talked about not having your parents because it creates a certain complex for you. Yeah, <laughs> he, said he, he said he has marriage issues. I don't have marriage issues. But I mean, I grew up with a complex. I grew up with a complex. And I think it went to a point where it developed into men are not good. That was like my mindset. I, somewhere underneath the smiles and everything, I just had this weird, you know, idea that mm, mm -mm. we could have done, the world could have gone on without them. Like everything would have been just fine, <laughs> you know? And so I was a kind of person who had a lot of defenses. I think I still do, God is helping me, but I had a lot of defenses up. I'm the kind of person who filters everything when you're talking, I filter, okay, this is the patch I want that. No, no, I don't want that. Trash that. And I'll be doing that and I'm sitting in front of you. So I had a lot of walls, like a lot of walls um, around me. And, you know, God is so wise because some of the things that could be, in quote, that are distractions or things that are bad, God has a way of using even those things to shield you. So that was how God shielded me from, you know, maybe, um, you know, messing around and all of those things because I had this thought. I could go out, I could hang out with people and everything, but I wouldn't cross a certain line because the end of this thing is that you will win and I will lose. Men, that is always the case. That, that, that was my mind. Okay. Um, and it was wrong. It was an evil thought, but I didn't know at the time. Um, following from there, I mean, there were other instances in my life that cemented that for me. So, um, like dealing with my, my stepfather was a part of cementing that thought that no, it is true, true. I mean, other encounters post that kept cementing that, even with people in the faith, kept cementing that thought. So as a younger person, um, I was exposed to pornography at a point. Um, and I'm just, you know, this morning I was thinking through it and I was just looking back and I was thinking how much God delivered me from because with the combination of things that were 
forming, I could have really gone, I could have been really, I could have really gone the other way because I mean, I didn't really think men were okay. Um, I was exposed to pornography, which meant that I saw visuals of women together. And this is someone who already believes that men are not okay. So it could have gone, but for some strange reason, God, I believe God had always had his thumb on me, like always. God always had his thumb on me. If I would go and do something, God would create some circumstances. Manya, the thing would not, like, I would never get there. You know, there was always, I remember I used to go jogging because I wanted to meet some boy. Like, it was, I, I'm not a jogger. Like, I'm not outdoor. I'm not. But I, I met this guy, and he was so sweet on me. So I used to, like, say I'll go jogging so that I could go. My mom is looking at me like, what's she talking about? So I could go meet this person. And I remember, like, this is just, and I remember that he was going to travel or something. And that day he asked me to meet him somewhere. And for some strange something, and I didn't meet him. And I look back all the time, I'm like, oh, that was God. That, like, God always, like, he would get in my way, every corner. Like, God really had his thumb on me. So this was my, um, this was my base. You know, this was my base. Plus the fact that at four, or yeah, somewhere around four, I just got up one day and saw a little patch under one feed. Everybody thought it was nothing, what is this? And then it began to grow. And before we knew it, it had grown, took over my nails. My nails are black. I mean, everything. And even going to school, sometimes it was difficult because I couldn't walk. It was affecting my nerves. I mean, and everything. So all this was my background. That was my that was preset to even face life, you know. But what I really realized that in all of this, when I, when I encountered Jesus, I encountered Jesus as love. I mean, and it was good for me because I needed the stronghold in my mind to break. So I, I did have an experience um, where I wanted to kill myself. And I knew that, oh, morning won't catch. So like somewhere in this night, I would carry it out. And in, in, in the course, somewhere in the night, I mean, I had had a really bad, um, you know, it was a, a bad experience with my stepdad that day. And somewhere in the course of, you know, putting my plans together, breaking down, crying, knowing that, you know, everybody's going to hear that I'm dead. <laughs> Someone walked into my room. I can't tell you who it was, but it was a form. It was a form. And that person held me in a way I can never forget. And nobody can tell me otherwise that I'm not loved because what I experienced in that moment, like with his arms around me, it was everything. And that is where the scripture, I have loved you with an everlasting love and with loving kindness was released into my heart. And I used to write it, I pasted, I pasted it on the wall in my room because I needed that reminder constantly for like a long time. I always had it there when I wake up and I see it. So that is where God actually started to do things, you know, begin to like reach me. And I'm not saying I had church background. I was in, we went to church. We were singing home. We sang, we praised the Lord. I had all of that. I mean, they did all night in my house. You would pray. So it wasn't that I didn't have church background, but I didn't have a God encounter. 
So from that point, when this person who I believe was God walked into my room and held me, that was where, for me, it, the shifts began. And that night he saved me, not just salvation for my soul, but saved me from physical death as well, you know. And then it, it, it went on from there. And I noticed that what God was doing was to make me, he had to break me. So a lot of things I went through, God had to like undo my thoughts, had to take me through all kinds of things to like totally break it and begin to form something, somebody new. So for me, I've been through a lot of breaking. And if you are here and you are going through things, you're like, why, why, why? God, it could be that God is breaking you. The why is it could be that God is breaking you because he wants to form something that you are not yet. You may look good and all of that, but it's possible that God is, that is not, it's not about looking good. God is looking after something and what God wants in you, he wants to break you and make you into that person. So I experienced a lot of breaking and then there was dealing with this. So whilst I was coming into the believing that God loves me, God, you know, wants me, he has a purpose for my life, I'd wake up in the morning and I'll see this. And then it didn't stay on my feet. And um, when my stress levels shot up, um, it went into my, my, my hands. And then, you know, um, there was a time my scalp was peeling off. I had to use tar shampoo, I mean, we're back and forth, is all kinds of things. You don't want to know about all that anyways. And then from breaking, having to balance out what I know his word says and my, my everyday experiences, because it's sort of like a contradiction, God began to lead me into trusting him. And not trusting him as in the things I want. I trust him for what I want. But trusting him in his infinite knowledge and wisdom. Which means that I had to put away my plans. And I am someone who is very like, you know, I don't take risks. So everything has to be laid out. I must be able to pay for the thing before I get into it. You know, very, very laid out. So God took me into this um, portion of my life where the way I had planned things wasn't going that way all the dreams I had, everything, like everything was smashed, smashed, smashed. And God took me through that point. And I, he's still taking me through that point of learning to trust him. And um, at this point, I am in a place of experiencing his grace in the midst of the crashing, his grace in the midst of um, all the pain, you know, and finding that his grace is what really is enough. So that's where I am right now. I'm learning that it is a, an issue of grace. And when you are in a difficult place, when it's hard, when it's, you can't seem to get through, the point is, is not often the hardness because there's always a reason for that. But it is the grace of God in that. Sometimes for some people, the delays God brings is his grace. Because you're not even ready for what he wants to do in your life. If he brought that marriage right now, you will be the same person. To, you are not ready. If he brought that opportunity, you are not ready. Your mind is not ready. Your mind, your mindset and the, the, the things you've gone through and what you have allowed it to create in your mind will kill that thing. So sometimes even the delay is the expression of God's grace. Grace for me at this point is whatever you need. Whatever God knows you need, he gives it to you. It's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be fanfare, it's whatever. So if he knows that you need discipline, he will give you that. And that's God's grace because he doesn't want you to end as a mess. 
If he knows that, oh, you need tender, tenderness, he will give you that. If he knows, you know, no, this person thinks this thing is too light. Needs, let, let, we need to go through some tough things. You need to toughen up. God will give that to you. So the grace of God for me, per what I am coming into and I'm understanding, is whatever God knows you need. And he releases that to you. It's not always favor, yeah, favor me. No, sometimes it can be the hard stuff as well. So that's where I'm at in my journey presently. I'm experiencing and understanding the grace of God and I am enjoying it. I'm coming to a place where I'm rising above the things that I used to think, oh, this thing is a limit for me. This thing is hard. This thing, I can't do this. And I'm coming to that place of, you know, finding my boldness, finding my voice in spite of all of those things. When I came back from the U.S., there was one, there was a feature about me and a friend of mine had to point it out to me. I couldn't look people in their eyes because I had been so beaten down, like, been so, like I was nothing. So when I came back, when someone is talking to me, I'll be responding to you, but my eyes will be like below you. And my friend was like, ah, what happened to you? You used to be so strong. And we, we used to follow. I was the, the kind of person like coming up, people followed. But I, I came back and I was like so timid. And my, that friend of mine said to me, Jenny, because you're so different. <laughs> they used to tease me that my legs were big. So she was like, oh, it's my legs that she used to say that no, to be Jenny. But otherwise, she thought I was a different person because I had changed. I had become quiet. I had become so broken. Like, everything was a mess. But God is restoring those things. God is restoring that. And he's blessed me with grace. And I'm seeing his grace in a small church. I'm seeing his grace um, in not having money. When we married, like, we were... Man, hard. It was hard. Then our, you know, straight uh, house, apartment, or whatever it's called. You know, you go from bedroom to get it to the, to the one corridor. No corner, no room to do anything. You know, it was hard. And like finding grace in all of those things. We've been through marriage issues. Finding grace in that. Finding grace in being a mom when I wasn't even the kind of person who was really into children. You know, finding grace with all of that. I'm just learning and understanding the grace of God. And I'm actually writing a book on this because it's it's a lot of things. But that's where I am right now. But that is what makes me understand that it doesn't have to be perfect. It can still be God. It doesn't have to be, everything doesn't have to be all figured out. But it can still, it, it's still God. And if you trust him, and that's where I'm coming to. If you would trust God with the pain, if you would trust God with the confusion, if you would trust God with, you know, this looks terrible, if you would trust God with this, I can assure you that God will pick those things that look broken, those things that look waste, those things that look like it's not going anywhere, and God will use those very same things, use those very same places, and use those things as a leverage for you. He said to the children of Israel, they weren't ready to get into the, the promised land. They weren't. They weren't ready. So God allowed them to go through a wilderness for 40 years, which they could have overcome in 40 days because the guys were not ready. In that time, God dealt with the Egyptians. In that time, they fought some armies. They built up capacity until they were able to go and pull down the walls of Jericho. So not everything you're going through is a mess. 
God has a plan for your life. God loves you. And even if you don't believe it, God's hand is on you. It has been on you since. And he would never take his hands off. The reason you are sitting in this room is because his hand is on you. And his purposes will unfold. His plans will unfold. Trust him. Walk with him. Believe in him. Trust that he loves you and everything that is happening is for your good and you will get there. Amen. So that's my testimony, cum, my um, sermon. I pray for us that the things that we have handled, sometimes when people talk about, oh, I'm going through this, I smile, like uh, deep within me, I'm smiling because I know it will be fine. Like I know it will be fine. I know that it's just in that time that it's hard, but I know it will be fine, amen. And the things that we've handled have taught us that it will be fine. You won't die. It won't kill you. It won't kill you. I mean, I was I was struggling with this issue again. And, and I was talking to a friend of mine. This is someone that, I mean, we share everything, like deep stuff. And I was talking to her and I was telling her that I'm at a place where I feel like the only thing that holds me back is this, is this thing. Like in terms of the physical pain and also like the whole thing. And she said to me, I get you, but has God not done other things for you? And when she said that, I was like, oh my God, don't even start. Because I was told I wouldn't have children. When I started having children, I had them back to back to back. I mean, this year, I mean, not too long ago, I had a lump in my breast. I brought the test and everything here. Where's the lump? Somebody tell me. So God... If we could look beyond our struggles, we would see that he's there, he's working. But sometimes the pain clouds our judgment and then we hold back. Don't hold back. I am, I'm learning to be a witness in spite of psoriasis. That's one of the big lessons. To be a witness through psoriasis because God is using that as well to speak to people. Hallelujah. And I pray for you this morning that God will use, in quote, the limitations. God will use the strengths. Paul was great. He wrote amazing. His mind was so thorough and so deep. God used that for his purposes. If you are saved, it's because God has a reason. And I just want to encourage you not to neglect or throw away the encounters, the experiences because it is all for a purpose. One of these days, God is going to take that part and use it to strengthen another. God is going to take that part and use it to bless somebody. One of these days, even through those broken places, through the crevices, God's power will flow out. I always say that the, the, the reason God uses me is because of I have so many cracks. I pain, physical, mental, emotional, social, every kind of pain I've been there. I have so many cracks. And for me, I've come to understand that all those things are openings where God's power can seep through. Like the wounds of Jesus on the cross. His blood was gushing through his side. His blood was coming through his head. Every part, the nails, and all of that was for us. So if you would bear a few things, Paul says, I bear the marks of Christ in my body. If you will bear these things so that God can use them to bless other people, to reach other people, then so be it. Then so be it. And all we continue to ask for is grace. Lord, your strength to bear it all. Hallelujah. If Jesus was able to bear it, 
then these ones, Bible calls them light afflictions. They are light. They are not heavy. <laughs> they are light afflictions that God will use even these openings, these cracks, these broken places as openings to reach other people. He's used my psoriasis to reach people. Sometimes he uses my, my broken emotions to reach some. Hallelujah. Sometimes it's my experiences. Sometimes I get people because I've walked through that place. Hallelujah. And all these things are avenues. And I pray that God will find avenues in your life. That you will not be covering up what he says. I want to use that. And then you are busy saying, oh God, this is not good enough for you. How about you take the other part? Yet God is saying it is that broken place that I want to show through. That is why I want to sip through to that person. Hallelujah. And I pray that God will do that in our lives. Oh God, even as we enter into this month, even as we walk through this month of reaching somebody for you, Lord God, use all of us, all of us, every part of us, oh God, every part of us, every part of our being, Lord God, use it to reach the lost. Lord God, let us speech. Lord God, be backed with the power of God. Let us be true in our witness. There's no reason to lie. If you needed us to have a different experience, you would have given it to us. There's no reason to lie. And I thank you so much for each person sitting in this room and what they have walked through and what you are doing in them. For some, it's been good, 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 good. And that is a good thing because that is a sign of God that someone must do. For some, it's been bad, 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 bad. And that's a good thing because all things work together. And that's a sign that God will use. And if, as we become faithful, we will realize that the seeming disadvantages were advantages all along. Hallelujah. Father, use your people. Use your people to reach out. Let them not be ashamed. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, of our Lord, because it is the power of God. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, not even to some. Lord God, that we will not be ashamed, that we will not use our mind, Lord God, to judge you, but that, Lord God, we will not be ashamed. We will say, these are my scars, and even with my scars, God holds me up. God allows me to speak sense. God allows me to breathe. God allows me to be there for people. God allows me. God uses me. God reveals himself to me. Himself to me. That is God. That is grace. Even in the midst of our wilderness, oh God. And Lord God, as we lay plain what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have handled, Lord God, work through it. Let the power of our Lord Jesus work through, work through us as simple as it may be, as complex as it may be. Lord God, as, 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 bad as it may look, as good as it may seem, whatever it is, use it all. Use it all. We are witnesses. We are witnesses of these things. We are witnesses of these things that you can get through. We are witnesses of these things. We are witnesses of these things. Use us in Jesus' mighty name. Lord God, we sense and we see what is happening. We see the expansion. We see the explosion. We see the harvest of souls. We see wealth coming in. We see, we see them. But you need people who will enter into the harvest and bring you baskets full. And so, Lord God, we, we say we will. We yield to that call. 
We yield to that call. And as we go, we declare supernatural occurrences. It's the supernatural, the supernatural, the supernatural hand of God. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll take a second offering. And then the announcer will come. We'll welcome us, our first time visitors. There are none. They are none. And so we'll take the announcement. Please let's take the, the second offering and then I'll call for first fruit before the announcement comes. Please, second offering, please. Please, are we writing our, our prayer topics? Are you done? for listening to today's message we're sure you were blessed let's get interactive also on facebook instagram and twitter at icgc revival temple connect with pastor jennifer on youtube and all her other social media handles god bless you